Thank you. There it is. Thank you, JT and musicians. Beautiful singing. Merry Christmas to everyone. This, this is the first Sunday in December. This is when we start, of course, rejoicing and celebrating the birth of our Savior. And uh, so I wish you a Merry Christmas. Hope you have a great season, Christmas season. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Isaiah, as you can see on the screen. Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to look at this familiar verse of Scripture today. And pray it'll be a blessing to you. This, of course, is written about uh, 730-something years before that Christ was born. And it's a prophecy. Uh, Isaiah is a book full of prophecy. And uh, this is just one of those beautiful uh, passages. And uh, so look at Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, <clears throat> and the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon the, his kingdom to order it, to establish it with judgment, justice, from henceforth, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. I want to speak to you today about the person of Christmas. Pray with me. Father, thank you for the good singing, sweet time to come together. Thank you for the choir doing such a good job with that beautiful song. Speak to us now, I pray. Remind us, Lord Jesus who you are. Holy Spirit, I pray you would exalt the Lord Jesus in our midst today. In Christ's name, amen, amen. Some years ago, there was a hard-working single mom who was raising two teenagers. With the job she had, they could barely make ends meet. And then just before Christmas, she got laid off her job, not by any fault of her own, but because the company just needed to lay some people off. So a few days before Christmas, she got laid off. And uh, she gathered her two teens together and said to them she was sorry, she'd gotten laid off, and they had to use what little food they had and money they had for food and didn't have any money for a Christmas tree or decorations or any gifts. The next day, a lady from our church came by with a gift, with some money. And when the lady saw her, she began to cry. And she said, how did you know I lost my job? How did you know? And the lady from our church smiled and said, I didn't know, but the Lord knew. And she started to say, thank you, thank you, Lord Jesus, thank you, thank you. <clears throat> Praising him. On another occasion, a single mom with four children. Let me set the scene for you. In their home, there was no decoration except in the middle of the front room, there was a table, a broken table that was propped up. On that broken table, 
was a, uh, a plant, not a Christmas tree, but a, in a, a wilting plant. And on that plant was hung little, uh, what do they call the things? What? Ornaments. Not ornaments. Something you eat. Candy cane. Candy cane. There you go. This is like uh, charades, isn't it? Now you tell me what I'm going to say next. <laughs> candy canes hanging on this little drooping plant in the middle of the room. That was all of their decorations. And uh, there was a flat skillet on the oven with Soromo noodles. And a lady from our church came in and gave a gift. A gift, by the way, that you gave. Money that you gave to feed them in the birthday offering for Christ a few years ago. And she gave that money. And the lady began to cry and to rejoice. And she kept saying over and over again, gospel feeds. I'm not talking about the gospel, but talking about gospel Baptist church. Feeds. What she was excited about was food. They were going to have food for Christmas. And she kept saying it over and over again. Then she said, I never saw a church that feeds like gospel. When you give to the birthday offering of Christ, it goes to help people like this. But we don't just give it because there is a need there, even though that's important and it's part of the motivation. But we give because we want people to see how wonderful Jesus is. In this passage, it says his name shall be called Wonderful. And we want to give in the name of Christ so that they think Jesus is wonderful for what he did for them as these families that I've described to you this morning. Now go back to the text and we'll break it down, verse 6, into several uh, portions. If you look at your screen there, Gentlemen, my, my remote's not working. We divide it like this. All right, let's... Uh, we're not on the internet, so give me a second. Let me... Maybe we need some batteries, gentlemen. See if I can move it. I cannot move it. I don't want you to have to move. I tell you what, somebody bring me some batteries. Yeah. Thank you. And then uh, let's go ahead, though, and, and you move it for me back there in the, uh, in the video room. So it should say wonderful up there. <laughs> uh, or really, it should back up, and there should be four uh, statements. First one is uh, his birth. Put his birth up there, please. Uh-oh. Maybe some technical difficulty in the back as well. Well, let me divide it for you. There's uh, four major divisions in verse 6. First is his birth. It says a child is born. For unto us a child is born. That's his birth. Unto us a son is given. That's his death. He was given for us on the cross. 
For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. He gave him on the cross for us. And then thirdly there, you see, the government shall be upon his shoulders. That's the reign. He reigns in our lives. Thank you. And one day he will reign for, uh, on the earth for a thousand years. And then, of course, as the verse 7 says, there's no end to his peace and no end to his kingdom. He will reign throughout all eternity. So you have his birth, you have his, his death, his reign, I think I'm still, yeah, there you go, and his person. Now, we're going we're gonna to emphasize today his person. And um, so I want you to think about this, who Jesus was. He's described for us, the first word is wonderful. Let me see if I can make it work here. Wonderful, I think I did that. And I think you did that back there. I don't know who's doing what now, but... To define the word wonderful, the Hebrew word means wonderful, miraculous, marvelous, unusual, extraordinary, astounding, astonishing, remarkable, amazing, significant, and extreme. That's the Lord Jesus. He's wonderful. And, uh, and then the root word is miracle. Uh, so in, when we use the word wonderful, we don't always include the idea of something being uh, supernatural. We might, somebody might try on a dress and you say, oh, you look wonderful. No, nothing supernatural in that. But this Hebrew word carries the idea of something supernatural, the uh, word miracle being the root. And then it, the, it, the basic meaning is to be wonderful or to call something wonderful to happen. That's the Lord Jesus. Extraordinary, <laughs> extreme. His name shall be called Wonderful. Think with me for a moment of a day when a ruler of a synagogue by the name of Jairus comes to Jesus. He had heard that Jesus was a healer. And his little 12-year-old girl had been sick. And now she's at the point of death. They had tried everything and now she's at the point of death and he comes to Jesus and asks Jesus to go with him to heal his 12-year-old girl and Jesus says yes and they head on their way and along their way some miracles take place Jesus meets the needs of some others and while they're in their journey a messenger comes and says to Jairus never mind don't bother the master your daughter is is dead. Jesus said to Jairus, don't be discouraged. Just keep trusting. Keep trusting. So they finished their journey. By the time they got there, they'd already hired some mourners, which was the custom in that day. And the house was full of people weeping and crying. And she was in a bedroom. And Jesus put everybody out except Peter, James, and John, and the mother and the father. And he walks into the room and says... Young girl, I say unto you, arise. That's all it took. She was dead and she came back to life. One of the passages in Luke says her spirit came to her again. Her spirit had departed the body, but her spirit came back into her body and she was made alive 
again. Look at the next uh, frame up there, if you would. And uh, this is the end of that story. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, and she was of the age of 12 years, and they were astonished with great astonishment. Well, I guess so, don't you? I mean, I'd be pretty <laughs> astonished with great astonishment if I had been there and witnessed that resurrection. These are synonyms for that word wonderful. They were in wonder. They were in awe of what they had seen and who Jesus was. Imagine that night. The little girl played all afternoon and all evening and she's healthy. She's eating. She'd been sick a long time. And Just suppose with me. Jairus and Mrs. Jairus are laying in bed that night and, and there's a, enough light for them to see each other. Maybe the flicker of a, an oil lamp is still burning and they're looking at each other laying in the bed and, and they say, I, I, can't, I can't believe what happened today. The other one says, I, I can't either. She's been sick so long and now she's just totally well and healthy. Maybe Mrs. Jairus says, it was just wonderful. I can't get over it. It was just wonderful. Jairus maybe would say, it's not just wonderful what he did, but he is wonderful. And she nodded. Tears began to roll down their faces again. And all they could think of was, he is wonderful. Go with me to another place. There's a great storm on the Sea of Galilee and the disciples are in a boat. Have you ever been in a storm? I'm talking about the storms of life. You ever been in a storm in your life, maybe physically or spiritually or emotionally? Or they were in a storm. They were in a weather storm in the Sea of Galilee and sometime in that watch between 3 o'clock and a.m. and 6 o'clock a.m., Jesus comes to them walking on the water. And they first thought it was a ghost, and they were terrified. But Jesus said, don't be afraid. It, it's me. And he climbs in the boat in the midst of that storm, and all of a sudden, there was a great calm. In Mark, they use this term, there was a great storm. But when Jesus got on board, there was a great calm. Right in the midst of our great storms, Jesus can give a great calm in our heart, can he? Are you going through a storm? If you look closely, and if you listen closely, you'll see that Jesus is in that storm with you. And he'll whisper, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. It's me. Be of good cheer. He's the master of the storms. Let me see if I can do it this time. Oh, you beat me to it, didn't you? Back there. I don't even know who I'm talking to. I don't know who's back there today. You're doing a good job, though. This is the end of that. And he went up into the ship, and the wind ceased, and... They were sore amazed. The word sore means very extremely. They were extremely amazed in themselves beyond measure. 
and they wondered. They were in awe and wonder of what they had just seen. This Jesus controlled the elements. And they were, they were not just uh, amazed. They were amazed beyond measure. There's a third time right in that grouping that uses some synonyms for wonderful. It's after a day of preaching and a day of miracles and people had gathered to hear Jesus in several locations. And on one, one of those locations, a woman came up to him and had a daughter back home that was demon-possessed. And... She was not a Jew. She was a Gentile like me and you. She would be considered a pagan. And Jesus said that the blessings were to come to the Jew first. And she said something remarkable. <laughs> she said, even, even the dogs can eat the crumbs that fall from the table onto the floor. Even the dogs can eat that. She was saying she was, a, she was like a dog. And all she wanted was a few crumbs from the master. He told her to go her way. Her daughter was healed. First he, he complimented her on her great faith. When she got home, her daughter was healed. And then there was blind people. There were people who couldn't talk and people who couldn't hear. And Jesus healed them. And coming down to the bottom of that story, we have this verse. Show the next screen there, if you would. And they, that's the people of that day, and they, uh, beyond measure, were astonished. They were astonished. Again, beyond measure, saying, He hath done all things well. He maketh both the deaf and the, to hear and the dumb to speak. Wow. One more. Jesus comes to a, across the shore of Galilee and gets out of his boat. He's met by a man who is demon-possessed with many demons, a legion of demons. He'd been living in the tombs. And uh, no man could tame him, the Bible says. You, you couldn't tie, you tie him with ropes or chains. He would get away and break them. He was a wild man living in the tombs, demon-possessed. And Jesus cast the demons out. And he had been naked before, and the townspeople come out to see what's going on, and they find this man clothed and in his right mind sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening to Jesus teach. Wow. He wanted to go with Jesus, but Jesus said, you, you spread what good things the Lord has done for you. You spread that around. And again, this man lived in Decapolis. He was a Gentile. So uh, uh, if you look at that next verse, it says, And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him. And all people did marvel. They marvel. That's another synonym for wonderful. They were in awe and wonder of who he was and what he did. Now use your sanctified imagination one more time with me if you would. The demon-possessed man, we don't know, but let's say he had 
a wife and four kids. We're just supposing now. See him as he heads home. He's going to spread, he's going to spread the good news, but he wants to go home in the midst of that journey and see his wife and children. He hadn't seen them in years because of his demon possession. Picture it with me. Maybe the wife looks out the window and sees him coming down the road and she screams at the kids, get in the closet and hide and don't, don't say a word, don't make one sound. She goes over and locks the door and then she hides where he can't see her looking in the windows. And he knocks at the door. And she's hoping and praying he'll go away. But he doesn't. He says something like this. He said... He says, honey, I met a man today. His name was Jesus. He was wonderful. I'm not the man I used to be. I've been changed by him. He told what happened and she lets him in and she can see that he is different. She calls the kids out of the closet. They come and hug their new daddy made new by Christ himself. He's wonderful, isn't he? Isn't he wonderful? Let me encourage you to do something. Tonight when you go to bed, when you're laying there like, like uh, Jairus and Mrs. Jairus, tell him he's wonderful. So, oh, Lord Jesus. You're wonderful. You may have said, well, I've never, you know, I've never done really terrible bad things and so forth. And Yeah, but you could have. He's the one that kept you from doing it. It's only by his grace you haven't done terrible, terrible things. So you can imagine what you would have been without Christ. And that'll help you to see how wonderful he is. Well, his name shall be called Wonderful. And then it shall be called Counselor. Some translations put those two words together like this. He's Wonderful Counselor. And that's fine. It could be. And it still doesn't change the fact that he's wonderful on his own and he's Counselor on his own. Look at the word Counselor up there now. To advise, to consult, to counsel, to deliberate, and to... Uh, decide to direct and on and on the root is to advise to give purpose Jesus is our counselor there's a big billboard on uh, 29 that says got questions God's word has the answer I like that God's word is God's will the Bible speaks to us about God's will. It tells us we should love one another. We should love even our enemies, people who hate us and don't love us, and we should love them. We're told husbands should love their wives like Christ loved the church. That's the will of God. Women should love and respect their husbands. The scripture tells us not to judge, not to be prejudiced, not to be racist, 
It tells us to be kind to all people. Jesus is our counselor. He will guide us. Psalm 23 says it like this. He will lead us in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. The Lord has a path for you and a path for you. And he will lead us in that path of righteousness for his name's sake. That psalm also says he'll lead us beside the still waters, still waters where there's peace and we can drink from that water of life who is Jesus himself. And then he, he's also going to lead us uh, to, to lay down in green pastures where we can feast on the word and rest. And he guides us. He is our counselor. And then... Look at the next word, if you would. Put it on the screen. Mighty God. The word mighty means powerful and brave and strong and mighty. The word often refers to God himself, usually implying the mighty God. The word God here is, a, is one of the a normal words for God. It's used 213 times in the Old Testament. Nine times we have this exact phrase, one, and this one time it refers to Christ himself in his earthly ministry. He is God. When you put those two words together, the word God can be translated the Almighty. So you put mighty in front of the Almighty, you've got to, he's the mighty, almighty God. He's the sovereign one. He's the creator of the universe. In the Milky Way, there are 100,000 or 100 billion stars. I know that's a number we can't wrap our head around, but that's the number scientists give us. That's in our Milky, that's in our galaxy, there are at least 10 billion galaxies. So there are billions and billions of galaxies, and every galaxy has 100 billion billion stars and all of those stars most all of them are bigger than our sun and so you have this whole unbelievable vastness of space the scripture says in the beginning was the word the word was with God and the word was God all things were made by him and without him was not one thing made that was made he flung the stars out into the universe. He spoke the word and they came into existence. He is the Almighty. He is God the Son. As much God as God the Father. God the Son. The Creator. Now that's the vastness of the universe. Think about the creation. Think about the small unseen things. We're told that in a drop of water, just one drop of water, there is 1.5 sextillion molecules. Sextillion. What does that mean? I don't know. That's what the, that's what the uh, science page said on the internet. 1.5 sextillion. Those are molecules. There's five six trillion 
atoms in a drop of water. So that to try to help us wrap our mind around numbers that big, scientists use this illustration. One drop of water, if you take the molecules in one drop of water and turn each one of those into a grain of sand, just a grain of sand, you could build a road made out of sand, a road a half a mile wide and a foot deep, all of sand, all the way from California to New York, from coast to coast, half a mile a foot deep. That's how many molecules are in one drop of water. Wow, that boggles the mind, doesn't it? Not to mention the perplexity of the human body and all of the functions of the human body and then not to mention the intellect, the mind and how we store information and, and know what we know and so forth. And then beyond that, the soul and the spirit of man. All of these perplexities created by God himself. Not by some accidental boom somewhere along the way, but by a loving, omnipotent God. He's the everlasting. He's the eternal God himself. Some years ago, I was preaching at a uh, boys' club in Burlington. I had called all the boys' clubs in the, in the surrounding areas and tried to get appointments to go preach, and some of them allowed it and some of them didn't. This was a boys' and girls' club, and it was a large one, and it was in Burlington, and I went and preached, and I had a crowd of about 100 boys and girls and preached the gospel to them, did some magic and so forth. It was also my custom, because the boys' club, you know, is not a Christian organization, uh, but uh, it's a secular organization. And so I always tried to witness to the adults that were there, you know, the people who were running the programs and so forth. And so on this occasion, uh, on, on this occasion, I, uh, I met the two guys who were running the boys' club in Burlington. Their names were Bulldog and Daryl. So they introduced themselves, and I began to witness to them, and sure enough, both of them said, oh yeah, we know the Lord, we're saved. And they just had a wonderful testimony, two wonderful guys. One was black and one was white. They had such different stories. They said to me that day, all God's children got a story. <laughs> and I love that. So they, I said, well, tell me your stories. Daryl was the black man and he grew up in a Christian home a good home his parents loved the Lord took him to church he got saved in an early age had been serving the Lord his whole life it was a beautiful thing Bulldog of course that's his nickname if you had met him you would understand that nickname he's the kind of guy you're almost afraid to close the door when you're in a room with him you know you want to leave a little running room, maybe. The bulldog had a testimony, too. His testimony was different. He grew up in a non-Christian home, and he got into drugs and alcohol early in life. And uh, he became addicted and lived on the street. 
lived a terrible life until he met Jesus and Jesus set him free from alcohol and from drugs and, and uh, turned his life around and now he was serving the Lord and trying to win the boys and girls. They said it like this. Bulldog had a great testimony but Daryl's was a whole lot better because he had got saved early and served the Lord all of his life. That's the greatest testimony anybody can have. When they go to bed at night, Bulldog could say, Jesus, you're wonderful because you delivered me from drugs and alcohol. But Daryl could say, Lord Jesus, you're wonderful because you kept me from drugs and alcohol all my life. You are wonderful. Think of what you could have been and where you could have been. And then tell him he's wonderful. Bow with me, please. We're going to sing an invitation hymn in just a second, a verse of it. Maybe you're going through a storm today. Maybe it's a big storm. Maybe it's a little storm. Maybe it's a great storm. You're going through a storm today and you say, Preacher, pray for me. I really need to, to see and hear the Lord Jesus in the midst of my storm. Would you raise your hand all over if that's your case? Yes, God bless you and you. and God bless you, yes. All over, God bless you. You may put your hands down. How many would say, Preacher, I've never been forgiven of my sin. I've never trusted Christ as my Lord and Savior. Pray for me. Anybody like that today? Slip your hand up and let me pray for you, would you? Anyone? Father, thank you for giving your son. A child was born. A son was given. And his name is wonderful. Some of your people are going through a storm today. Give them eyes to see that you're right there with them. And give them ears to hear you're speaking to them. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with me, please, if you would. Words are on the screen. We're going to sing, and as we do.